Oh my goodness. Happy Monday. Just kidding. It's the day after a Super Bowl. I'm falling. I'm falling to pieces a little bit. I'm a little I think all of America. I think I speak for all of America when I say uh a little disappointed. Little disappointed in that result. I will say phenomenal game. I really thoroughly enjoyed that game. It went to overtime. That was the first um uh what's it called? fucking that was I'm like completely blanking right now the first time they actually did the rules the new way with uh both teams get the ball so a touchdown no longer ends the game I'm kind of starting to wonder when they're just gonna go full-fledged to college overtime because it's like every year they just take like a little bit more of a step towards making it not I mean when I was growing up it was sudden death which I thought was ridiculous People might not remember this they're a little bit younger than me, but it used to be field goal wins the game. It wasn't, it wasn't, and then they tra- change it to you get, if you get a touchdown on the first drive, you win. But if you get a field goal, the other get, team gets a chance to have the ball. That was obviously better than just straight sudden death, but uh, it just seemed kind of silly to me. It's like, oh, touchdown wins it, field goal doesn't. I don't know, it's stupid. This setup, I, I actually like. I, I understand why they don't do it in um, regular season because it just makes games too long. It's kind of the same concept behind why in baseball for the regular season in extra innings they put a man on second. I think that's a good idea, and I also like that they don't do that in the postseason because it's like, dude, you got to bring it back to the fucking roots. You know, Take it to the 19th inning if you have to. It's, there's only one October. Um, I, I said, why don't they just make it like college overtime? And now I'm thinking about it. I don't think that that would work for the NFL because the kickers are too good. Now the college kickers are good. I've been vastly underestimating the skill of college kickers. Uh, I notably, uh, argued four years ago that if I was given one year, of training that I could be a mid-major school kicker in Division One. Maybe not Texas's kicker, obviously, not Alabama's kicker, but like, I don't know, Towson. I think I could kick at Towson if you if I trained for a fucking year of nothing but training for kicking. I, I used to think that, and now that I'm saying it now, you know what? I still think that I could be completely wrong. I could be delusional, but I tell you what, if there's any position that I might possibly be able to play at that level, given a year of training or any unlimited amount of training, um, it would be kicker or punter. So can a boy dream? Can I not? I mean, I already gave up on, you know, when you're a little kid, you think that you could be in the NFL, the NBA, the Major League Baseball, professional wrestler, real wrestler, boxer, UFC. You think you're capable of doing all of that with enough hard work and dedication. When you get to my age, I've had to let go of all those things. Can I not just still pretend that I might possibly be able to be a fucking punter? Are you going to take that away from me? Come on. Anyway, great game yesterday, 25 to 22, 
Vegas, you win again. What was the under-over on that game? 47? Weird. Weird. It required a lot of weird things to happen. Most notably, the blocked extra point. I actually called that, by the way. I was watching the Super Bowl with Eric, uh, my brother, my friend Mahedi, and Lucas. So it was a good squad. All dudes. I think that's... I think that was key yesterday. I needed a male energy room yesterday. It really allows the the conversation to flow. <laughs> let's just say. Um, but it was it was nice. It was nice. But yeah, twenty five to twenty. That blocked extra point. I called that. And and that was a game changing moment. I was talking with one of the guys there. I was he was saying I love the football scoring because those little things you don't think matter add up so much like in football it's such a massive difference to be down by four versus down by three if you're down by three you can tie up the game with a field goal if you're down by four your only option is to score a touchdown that's such a massive difference and so that one little blocked extra point when the when the 49ers were down 13 to 10 they score a touchdown they go up 16 to 13 and you're thinking like Boom, here we go. 17 to 13. This is a big this is a big moment for them because now the Chiefs are going to have to go down the field and score a touchdown. Next thing you know, they block the extra point. Now the entire dynamic of the game has changed on one point. Just a one play thing. Now all of a sudden it puts the Chiefs in a position to not have to score a touchdown, to kick a field goal instead, send it into overtime and play with those new overtime rules for the first time ever, which I again like. I think they're probably the best rules you could have for the NFL. I rescind my previous take that they should do college overtime. For the second time, I rescind that. I do not rescind that I could be a Towson University kicker with enough time to train. But I do rescind that NFL should do college overtime. Okay? Let's meet in the middle there. Um, I opened up this show with uh, a band called The Script. It was a little tongue-in-cheek. I never really knew what tongue-in-cheek means. Yeah. That's tongue-in-cheek. I didn't mean it like that. That's not why I opened up with the script. Relax. Um, no, I just thought... Uh, people have been accusing the NFL of having a script. I actually dropped a lost episode recorded a couple weeks ago after, we, after the Ravens lost in the AFC Championship to the Chiefs. And uh, it was called The Script. And I discussed on that episode, I cannot recommend that you go back and listen to that. Um, it, it, I think I did a fairly decent job of kind of laying out what the actual script is. It's not literally scripted. It's not predetermined. But things are set up in a way to benefit certain players or markets that are more marketable. So the 49ers could have won that game. The 49ers should have won that game. I don't think that a blocked extra point was scripted. I don't think that, you know, McCaffrey's fumble in the opening drive that probably should have led. I mean, they were in field goal range there. That's another thing. That was the opening drive. So people forget. People forget when it's that early in the game. You know, that's kind of the other thing about sports is like, Fucking up in the beginning of the game, you kind of get a pass. Like, the people that are actually paying attention will will remember it. But, 
I mean, fumbling the ball on the first drive of the game and blowing it a scoring opportunity versus doing that same thing on the last drive of the game when you're down and you need the points, people are never going to forget when you did it at the end of the game. But you do in the beginning of the game. I'm not blaming Christian McCaffrey. I think I think the 49ers played excellently. I like McCaffrey. I like all those guys. Um, I think, you know, hey, I think my brother was saying the Chiefs were holding basically every play. I tend to dislike agreeing with my brother, but I have to agree. Was it annoying when he was yelling at every play? Perhaps. But was he correct? I hate to say it. I think that, you know, when I talk about, you know, I think they were kind of... I don't want to come off like I'm saying that it was... But I think that if the refs wanted to, they could have called a few more penalties on the Chiefs. Now, that being said, Kelsey got a terrible spot. Um... At some point in the third quarter, another kind of seemingly inconsequential drive. They got they got the first down the next play or something. Or actually, no, they didn't. It actually led to, I think, a turnover on downs, which was huge. And I was saying um, it kind of uh, it baffles my mind because when you're when when you ever see when somebody's scoring a touchdown, they're so like nonchalant about the the plane of the goal line. Like you can literally like be like out of the fucking stadium. And if the ball has like one little bump, one of those little bumps on the football is like flirting with the front of the goal line, it's a touchdown. Like they always base it off of where the ball is when the player goes down. And that's how it should be based. Why is it not the same on a first down? Am I crazy for noticing that if someone is running the ball, let's say they catch a ball or they run the ball. Here's the yellow line on the screen for the first down. They can literally have the ball out here. Their knee touches down before the first down line. Shouldn't that be a first down? Are we basing it off of where the point of contact for the player being down is? Or are we basing it off of where the ball is when the player is down? We can't do both. Because if that's a scoring situation, that's a touchdown every time. Oh, the ball went over the line before his knee touched the ground. It's a fucking touchdown. But if it's a first down situation, you know, you get spotted back where the knee or the ankle went down. So I don't understand that. I've always thought that was weird. I've been noticing it more and more. And I'm kind of wondering why more people aren't talking about it. It seems odd to me. Not saying that that benefited either team more or less. I mean, I guess if I, if I was saying that, I guess I did mention that that kind of cost the Chiefs a drive, but um, no, I, I, I thought I'd, I thought I'd open up just with some, some interesting stats before we really get into the nitty gritty. Cause I want to, I want to spend today talking about the game, but more importantly, just the event itself. Uh, you know, there's only one day after the Super Bowl per year. And, uh, you know, I think today's the day to talk about it. Don't you? Good. Um, First things first, let's get some Super Bowl stats out of the way. Some things that I found interesting. Um, Kansas City has been to six Super Bowls in the history of the Super Bowl. They've been to four of the past five. Is that not crazy? 
That's pretty crazy. Now, I, I, I mentioned a stat a couple weeks ago about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has never not played in an AFC championship game as a starter. He has been a starter in the league for six years, I believe starting in the 2018 season. And all six of those years, the Chiefs have been in the AFC championship game. Of those six AFC championship games, they've won four. Thus, propelling them to four of the past five Super Bowls they have made an appearance. They uh, won three of those, which is impressive. San Francisco, on the other hand, has made an appearance in the Super Bowl eight times. They won five Super Bowls between the years 1982 and 1995. Actually, four of them between 1982 and 1990, which is eight years. So four of eight years. That was mostly with uh, Joe Montana and then Steve Young took over for that last one. Um, Another fun fact, the years 91 through 94 that the 49ers were not in the Super Bowl, Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills proceeded to go to the Super Bowl all four years and lose all four years. Imagine that. Imagine your team going to the Super Bowl four years in a row and losing four years in a row. That's no good. Um, However, the 49ers have not won a Super Bowl since 1995. They went again in 2013 and lost to yours truly, the Ravens. And they went again uh, before this past one yesterday. I didn't even remember this, but the last time the uh, 49ers were in the Super Bowl was against the Chiefs, and they lost. And I believe that was what year? 2020. So they kept on saying all this stuff about, like, you know, redemption and all this other stuff. And I was like, I mean, you're talking about the Ravens Super Bowl from eight years ago or 11 years ago? Get over it, you know? No. They lost the Chiefs last time. I didn't even re- remember that. But it is, it, it, it's cool to watch. It's cool to watch Mahomes and how dominant he is. But I got to say, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. There's something about that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's not. Come on, guys. Grow up. There's something about the Chiefs. There's something about the Chiefs that people people want to compare. Because obviously the Chiefs are the new dynasty. We get that. The Chiefs are the new dynasty. They're the new Patriots. And before that, it was, you know, the fucking whoever in the um, 90s, I guess, like, I don't even fucking know who the dominant, maybe uh, the Redskins, I don't even fucking know. 80s and 70s was like Cowboys, Niners, stuff like that. 80s was Niners. Like, you know, this league has dynasties. This league has certain teams that just get the right guys at the right time and it works and they just proceed to dominate for like 10, 15 years. But the Chiefs are a different breed of dynasty. Because the NFL isn't the same now as it was 
20 years ago. It's simply not. The game itself has obviously changed. But also, everything surrounding the NFL has changed. And the Chiefs have much more of this like... uh, like they're the cool kid, like all the cool kids, like, okay, you know, obviously the topic of Taylor Swift is going to get come up in this conversation and it's very, look, whether you're annoyed with that or you're not, I think it's kind of a trap that if I sit here right now and say that I get a little bit annoyed, not even annoyed, just, I think it's so gay that they constantly show Taylor Swift in the stands because it just it it, it kind of it just lets the cat out of the bag like it's so clear that the NFL has a vested interest in this dynamic it's so clear that there's someone and then you look at the Super Bowl and who's 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 chilling with Taylor Swift Ice Spice you know how Taylor Swift and Ice Spice are just best buddies I mean I can't think of two people that would that I that I just are two peas in a pod. I mean Taylor Swift, it's like that meme and you're like Taylor Swift ice spice and then it's that office chick and she's like this is the same picture. I can't I mean I mean obviously they're best friends. We know that they're just hanging out all the time. We know that. And then you got Blake Lively, Lana Del Rey, and Lana Del Rey. You know, she's apparently cool for for reasons I'm unaware of. And then you got Jackson Mahomes and his fucking, and then Patrick Mahomes' wife and his mom and, you know, okay, whatever. His mom can be there, whatever, that's fine. His wife and mom, whatever. Um, But it's like, really? Why is Ice Spice a Chiefs fan? She grew up in the fucking Bronx. What's she doing there? I don't know where Blake Lively and, and Lana Del Rey are from. But, like, it just seems so manufactured. Like, you know there was some exec of something that was like, all right, we got to have a star-studded Swift section. You know? We got to, like, we got to, like, start, like, and then all of a sudden you're watching the game and it's like, oh, look at all these celebrities who are going nuts every time the Chiefs do something good. And as a, as a watcher, as a spectator, it was honestly weird when they would show someone on the TV that wasn't Taylor Swift. Now, I actually looked this up this morning and apparently they actually showed, they only showed Taylor Swift and this, they only showed Taylor Swift 12 times. From the start to the finish of the broadcast, 12 individual times. I say only because it felt like more, but I mean, 12 is a decent amount. That's what, three times a quarter? That's like once every five minutes of game clock, right? Right? When you think about it that way, I don't know. Apparently, it only amounted to like a minute and a half or something, whatever, whatever, whatever. But the whole, it's not even about her. It's like that whole, that whole entourage just seems so 
manufactured and 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 you're and then they show the camera of like fucking Joe Montana or Steve Young or something and you're like that's not Taylor Swift that's not a cool celebrity actor it just the whole thing is so fucking phony to me Like, I know that they didn't rig the game for the Chiefs. I'm not saying that for the one trillionth billionth time. I'm not saying they rigged it for the Chiefs. But I am saying that, oh my God, did they ever want them to win. And that's fine. The NFL is allowed to have a preference. The NFL is allowed to have a preference who they want to win. They obviously clearly fucking do. Where was the San Francisco celebrity entourage section? There's not one famous... uh, Jerry Rice? Just a bunch of like guys that used to play for the 49ers 20, 30 years ago? Does that count? All that shit, man. All that shit. Just. And that's just the game itself. Because I want to start. I want to talk about something that really hit me. What was your favorite commercial last night? I'll tell you what mine was. Oh, buddy, I couldn't get enough of this one. I mean, this is just a fucking barn burner. Ha ha ha! They really outdid themselves this year. Oh my god! Oh. Damn! Ha, 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 he's got a toupee. Ha, inner tube. Download the Tamu app and shop like a billionaire. That commercial came on at least four or five times. At least four or five times. And I can't think of one singular commercial that stood out. As like, whoa, ha, holy shit. Not one. I had friends, they won't admit this is why they didn't come to the Super Bowl, but this is absolutely why they didn't come to the Super Bowl at my place, because they let, they let it out of the bag last year when they almost didn't come to our other friend's Super Bowl party and we had to convince them into it. And their reasoning last year was, I want to be able to watch the commercials. Well, I'm glad you had the opportunity to watch that phenomenal display of creativity and imagination. They weren't even trying this year. 
it was it was honestly kind of sad. Like, regard look, people look, the Super Bowl is a lot of things. It's the game, yes, but it's the production. The whole thing. It's the biggest singular event, one day event in all of America. It's everything. It's the game. It's the pageantry. They sing like four different verbs. They sing America the Beautiful, fucking national anthem. They had like some other woman sing, uh, I don't know, the black national. I don't even know what that was. Something cultural. The halftime show, which was, I'll get into that. It's the whole thing. And, and of course, how could I forget the commercials? Super Bowl commercials have always been a thing. That's always been a thing. I heard that spots were going for $7 million this year. 30-second slots for $7 million. And I can't... I thought Geico was, I, I, Geico has been kind of like bringing that caveman guy back into their ad campaigns. It looked like, like they kind of like, they kind of like been bringing him back in. So I thought that they were kind of working towards like a really funny Super Bowl ad campaign with the caveman, kind of like retro throwback, whatever. Nope. I didn't see a fucking Geico commercial. I'm pretty sure I was watching the whole time. I rarely went away from the TV. I pretty much was aware of what was going on. At all times. I didn't see a fucking Geico commercial. I saw a couple T-Mobile commercials that were like, I mean, I like Zach Braff and the other guy from Scrubs, but I mean, whatever. Um, a lot of celebrity cameos that like didn't really, like it was like they really relied heavily on just the fact that it was a famous person. It was like, you realize like, just having a famous person in a commercial is not what's going to make this commercial pop. Like, this person's famous. We're already used to seeing them on TV. That's why we know them in the first place. So the fact that you got this famous person to show up on my television is not a shocking thing to me. You have to do something funny or interesting or whatever. And I don't know what it is or why it is. But nothing like that happened last night. I don't know if there's a... Maybe it's the writer's strike? That's a possibility? I mean, I'm, I'm imagining these, these ad campaigns get thought up, you know, long before they're actually launched on the Super Bowl, like I'd imagine there's probably months and months of work going into these. I'm not exactly sure when the writer's strike in Hollywood specifically ended, but it had to be fairly recently. I know it was going on as recently as like September, maybe in October, November, I don't even know. Um, that's a possibility. You have the very real existence of uh you know writers rooms prioritizing uh people from diverse perspectives or whatever as opposed to just taking the funniest person i mean look at saturday night live 
Is that not the best example of what I'm talking about? I mean, you had a guy like Shane Gillis who was supposed to be on Saturday Night Live and then they dig up some fucking podcast that he did with his friend like years ago when he was literally like on this level. Like, and and it, they were riffing on like a Chinese guy or something, like a joke about a hypothetical Chinese guy or something. And he gets canceled from Saturday Night Live before he ever even starts. And then in the ultimate move of pandering, they replace him with a gay Asian guy who is not funny. But we do need the gay Asian perspective on Saturday Night Live. So congratulations, we have that now. But we, what we don't have is a show that has been funny in the past uh, 15 years. So that's another possibility. But that's been going on for quite some time. So I don't know if it's just really starting to peak now, if it's like really starting to hit its stride, or maybe it's kind of the, the combination of uh, the writer's strike and people not being put in these writer rooms based off meritocracy, but rather, uh, you know, inclusion or whatever and equity. That's a pos- Both of those could be compounding right now. You also have just the reality that, I don't know, it's, it's tough to be, I'm not even going to get into that. It, 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 it's kind of a cliche thing to say, but it is harder in this day and age to kind of go out there and be edgy and be funny. I, I don't really know if that applies to this situation because Super Bowl ads are never particularly, you know, that kind of funny. You know, that, that argument applies when you're talking about like comedy movies, you know, you look at a movie like 21 Jump Street or Superbad or something and, and you recognize like you couldn't make that movie now, but like Super Bowl commercials are, they're family friendly. So I don't think that's the case, but I do think that, um, as far as the writer strike, that's a possibility. And, uh, the other thing I said, diversity and equity and whatever, inclusion, and everything. That's another thing. That's another thing. Not saying that uh, people from quote-unquote diverse backgrounds can't be funny. But when you're getting a job, uh, based off of that, rather than based off of how funny you are, that causes a problem, regardless of who benefits. That's just the case, you know? And don't try to fucking pretend like that's not what goes on. It absolutely goes on. Okay, I shouldn't have to sit here and feel like a weirdo for saying it. It absolutely goes on. Every single hiring process in every single industry, including and especially entertainment, is always filtered through the lens of meeting quotas, getting a certain amount of this person, certain amount of those people, blah, 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 blah. That's just the truth, okay? If you don't want to fucking acknowledge it, that's your fucking problem. You can go and sit there and pretend to be fucking gone. Um, um, I have never noticed. What are you talking about? This is complete news to me. Shut up. You're full of shit. We all know what's going on, and that's why nothing's been fucking funny. 
because it's not even about being funny anymore. A, you can't really even be funny anymore. And even if you could, the people that are in charge of being funny aren't fucking funny. So it's a double-edged sword. It's a two-player sway. What we are witnessing in this country, in the West, as a whole, is the death of art. Okay, that's what I've been leading up to. That's what I've been getting to. When some fucking Temu commercial, some fucking Chinese bullshit company selling cheap shit is buying out four to five to six, seven million dollar fucking ad slots during the Super Bowl and doesn't even have the fucking respect, doesn't even have the fucking respect for football, the Super Bowl, what it means to people here in America, doesn't even have the, didn't even bother looking into the fact, well, well, this is a major fucking thing, and historically, like, you know, commercials have to be like, it's all about, like, production and being funny and blah, 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 like, they don't even have the fucking respect that they put together some fucking weird 3D animated bullshit fucking commercial with a dumb jingle. And just say, we'll just fucking blast it over and over again. Don't worry about making it good. We're China, baby. Quantity over quality. Booyah! Blast them. I'm getting pissed off. Because it's fucking true. And it's, I mean, look, it's not their fucking fault. They probably saw what everyone else was doing and were like, oh, I guess nobody's being funny this year. So let's just fucking, uh, let's just fucking concoct something in Microsoft Paint and send it off as a commercial and just beat people over the fucking head with this dumbass commercial. What was the best part of the Super Bowl? The halftime show. The halftime show rocked. You know Why? Because it was nostalgic, I hate to say it. It was cool to see and hear music from a time before the death of art in this country. That's why you got so hyped when you saw Ludacris. That's why you got so hyped when you saw Lil Jon, Will I Am, Alicia Keys, or whatever. Justin Bieber probably should have been there. That would have been sweet. I thought he would. He wasn't. Okay. So the, the most memorable thing about that uh, game on an on a entertainment value, you know, between the commercials and the shows and the whatever, was entertaining because it brought you back to a time before everything fucking sucked. And it was cool to see Usher take off his shirt and still be kind of ripped. Looks better than me. But, but it, it, it's exemplary. Look, the Super Bowl halftime show has always been kind of an older throwback artist. They're not, they rarely do. I don't think they've ever done like a new artist. Like they're not going to get fucking Ice Spice to do the halftime show. They're not. You know, it's all, I mean, I think probably when Bruno Mars did it, that was kind of like the newest guy. Because I think he did it like 
in the late 2010s and he really didn't even come out until like the early 2010s. So he had only been like a guy for like maybe f uh, eight to 10 years at the most when by the time he did the Super Bowl show. I don't even remember, to be honest. I could be wrong, but he, he was definitely a more recent arrival that did the halftime show. But then you had like fucking Prince, Paul McCartney, um, Rihanna, who's been around for, for you know, 20 years. Um, did Elton John do it maybe? I don't remember. Justin Timberlake did it with Janet, Jan Johnson, John Janet, Janet Jackson. So it's always been like that. It's always been like that. But when when you find yourself looking to that as the only semblance of actual, truly enjoyable entertainment, I actually felt sorry and kind of cringely embarrassed at the commercials. Like I, we were sitting there watching these commercials in silence and it felt kind of weird. Like I almost wanted to pity laugh at the commercials because I couldn't believe how not funny or interesting any of these were. I like the NFL one where they did like the flocking birds and it was like the football players from the bird teams, like the Ravens and the Eagles and the Falcons, whatever. Like that was funny, but that was NFL's own commercial. I think they tried. It, 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 it's like I say, it's the death of fucking art. Like we don't, we don't create anything new anymore. We don't, go out on a limb anymore and try something. We just rehash the same bullshit. There's fucking 33 Marvel movies and 11 more in production as we speak. Why? We can't think of anything fucking new. Every movie's got to be a superhero movie. Not saying that that's the only movies that exist, but look at look at what you see on a regular basis. How many movies? How many shows? How movies in particular do you see advertised that are literally just repackaged versions of something we already have? They just remade re Mean Girls. Why did we need a new Mean Girls? I guess maybe it was a problem that every one of the mean girls in the plastics and all of Lindsay Lohan's group were all white people, so they probably said, this can't fucking stand. We got to make a new one and fucking, you know, blah, 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 blah. So they did that. I didn't fucking watch a movie. But why didn't... It's not even that old. It came out when I was, like, in middle school. I get that's, like, 20 years ago, but, like, that movie still holds up. You don't need to remake every fucking movie. We get it. We get it. If people were texting in the original version, then we do not yet need a new version. That goes for any movie. The only time you get to make a new movie is if the older movie came out before cell phones. Otherwise, at least another five years before that's up. Before a movie from 2001, 2, 3, 4. Any movie from the 2000s does not need to be remade. I saw a preview for Wicked, 
which I guess is just Wizard of Oz, which is also a Broadway play. We have that story. We, okay, the Wizard of Oz is like almost 100 years old. Okay, fine. How many fucking Spider-Mans do we have? They come up with a new fucking whole, start back from the beginning with Spider-Man like every five years. They just get a new guy and they start right back. Every fucking beginning of every Spider-Man movie starts with the same getting bitten by a radio. How many, how many times do we need to see that same story told? How you became Spider-Man. How many times? But they know it's just going to keep on. They're going to make a new movie. It's going to have whoever's popping right now. Oh, Sydney Sweeney's in Madam Web. Okay, cool. So let's, I mean, I don't fucking know. Let's just make a fucking movie. Again, quantity over quality. It doesn't even matter that these things are good anymore because they're not meant to be memorable. We live in a viral meme culture. None of these movies are meant to be classics. Do you think any one of these fucking Marvel movies, maybe the Infinity Wars, I hear they were good. I don't even believe that those are going to be considered classics Batman, Batman was a, Dark Knight was a superhero movie. That's a classic movie. Spider-Man, I guess, was technically a Marvel movie, right? The original Spider-Man, 2001 with Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, the whole nine. That's a classic movie. You can pop that on. Everybody remembers the kiss. Everybody, there's memes about him crying or whatever and putting on his glasses. Like, that's a classic movie. It's part of the culture. It still holds up. It's a little cheesy because it's fucking, but like at the time, those special effects were fucking nuts. And they still, you can still enjoy the movie. And it's well understood to be a great movie. I don't know if anybody, I mean, I, I just don't, I, I don't know if any of these newer ones are, are thought of the same way. I mean, one, you have things like every once in a blue moon, you have something that like really sticks, like Stranger Things stuck, you know, Black Mirror stuck. I'm not saying that just art does not exist. I'm not saying there is no good art. That's not what saying the death of art is, okay? The death of art means that we are, that art is in the process of dying. I tweeted this a while ago in reference to the fact that there's 33 fucking Marvel movies. And I watched Field of Dreams um, in November, Thanksgiving weekend. We always go out to the farm in Western Maryland after Thanksgiving for that weekend uh, for the opening of Deer Season. I don't even hunt, but whatever. And they have a, you know, it's an older farm lodge, so everything's like 90s, 2000s technology. So they have like DVDs and VCRs and shit. So I'm digging through the DVDs. I pop on Field of Dreams, DVD, great. That is a movie about a guy in Iowa who mows down his farm, his cornfield, to build a baseball field so his dead father can play baseball with Shoeless Joe Jackson's ghost. And you know what? Watch that movie without crying. 
I dare you. I dare you. I dare you to not cry when he sees his dad. I'm about to cry right now. You want to have a catch? What a concept. Could you imagine pitching that in the writer's room? It doesn't even make sense. Maybe it was a book. I don't know. But even that, a lot of movies are based off books. Where's the books that are they're based off now? Maybe those, maybe that's their fault. Maybe it's the writers, the authors, the writers' writers block. Maybe that's their fault that they're not writing any more good fucking stories for us to adapt into movies. I don't fucking know. I don't know where it's starting. But I can tell you what, I don't think they'd make a movie like that anymore. It's too risky. We don't really have any proven track record with this type of plot line. We don't know who it's going to appeal to. Why not just make another Marvel movie because we know that that's going to, you know, we already know that we have a market for that. We know that we can just continue to churn out another fucking two-hour piece of shit with, like, overly quippy remarks that almost make the movie not even, like, not even a serious movie anymore. It's like a kid's show at a certain point. And we know that we, we're going to gross at least this amount by putting it out there. And that's all that matters. It doesn't matter that people say this movie sucks afterwards. Because we're going to make that money, we're going to make our profit, and then it's on to the next one. And that's how it works. Quantity over quality. We're becoming fucking China. I mean, aren't they like fucking famous for intellectual uh, property theft or whatever? Like stealing our innovations and shit? Like they kind of just like, they, they, we, the Americans come up with the shit the ideas for new stuff, technologies and whatever. And then China is like, oh, sweet. They take it. They, you know, make it in a way that's like more efficient or whatever and like just kind of like streamline it, remove all the like other unnecessary, quote unquote unnecessary, and just make it like this stripped down version and then fucking run with it. I don't know if that made any sense. That was not my best uh, sentence ever. But I can just, you just get to this point where it's fucking like, I don't know. The game was good. I just feel like American culture is at an all-time fucking low right now. Truly. An all-time low. Um, speaking of being at an all-time low, I did obviously give you guys some bets before this weekend. Uh, actually, we didn't do too badly. We had a losing weekend. I gave you four picks. I gave you two on Friday for college basketball, and I gave you um, two picks for the Super Bowl yesterday. So let's start from the beginning. VCU, that's Virginia Commonwealth. They won. 
The wealth was common with VCU. They beat Dayton. I told you take money line. Vegas had them as, I think, what? Two point underdog? Yeah, Vegas had them as one and a half point underdogs. My model said they were one point favorites. And wouldn't you know, they won by two points. Gotcha again, Vegas. Point us. That was a plus 142 bet. Uh, that same night, I also advised San Diego State Moneyline, who was also given a two-point underdog by Vegas, but I was showing them as a two-point favorite. Well, wouldn't you know, they lost by four points in overtime. I think they were winning the majority of the game. Then, of course, it got tied up to go to overtime, and they lost in overtime. So that was an extremely close game that could have gone either way. It didn't go our way. However, on Friday, we netted 0.42 units, you know, because those are both boosted bets. Uh, the blow came from the game because I, of course, advised that MGM 58% big game boost on the Niners based off of some technical shit, but most, mostly based off of just fucking not wanting to see the Chiefs win. And it was looking good for pretty much most of the game. But lo, it did not pull through, and we lost a unit on that. And uh, I guess probably the oddest thing, the most splendiferous, serendipitous occurrence, I advised you guys to take the under in the live boost. Now, at the time I advised that, the over-under was at 47 and a half. However, it was a live boost, so you couldn't place the bet until the game started. By the time the game started, the MGM, the MGM line and Vegas closing line was at 47 flat. So assuming you locked that in at 47, you pushed because the final score again was 25-22, equaling out to exactly 47. So we didn't lose that bet, but we didn't win that bet. That's just a straight mulligan. So we closed out the weekend negative point. Five eight units, bringing our overall total. Uh, since we launched the show, not even a week ago, to negative one point five eight units. Okay, that's fine. This happens. I expected this. No, I didn't expect it. Obviously, I think my picks are going to win. But you know, look, losing is part of winning. Remember that. Which is why I got some real rook looks for you tonight, folks. It's a big day. I think I think all the sports books recognized that everyone is disappointed except for the Kansas City Chiefs and their fans. So, uh, three big boosts on DraftKings tonight. We got a 50% all sports boost, which is sweet. We got a NBA no sweat bet, which is always a pleasure. And, of course, tonight's big game, the clash on the court boost, 50%. This is for Kansas at Texas Tech. Now, Kansas, I'll start here. Kansas has a pretty significant, uh, pretty key player out tonight, or questionable, McCuller. He averages like 20 points a game, gets like eight, nine rebounds a game. Like he, He's a pretty significant player. He is questionable. I'm going to err on the side of caution and, and say he might not play tonight. I don't know. Um, 
my model shows them as two-point favorites, assuming all the players, regular players are in. Now, the Vegas line actually has them as three-and-a-half-point underdogs, obviously because of this key injury. So they're, uh, Texas Tech is actually at minus three-and-a-half right now. I really, I don't like messing with injuries and stuff. I have a model that's based off of team averages. Once you take a, a influential player out of that mix, it's really difficult for me to, you know, say how much any individual player has an effect, you know? So I don't really mess with it. What I will say is my over-under on my model is the exact same as the Vegas line, 144 and a half. Um, I... I guess I'm just going to have to use some fundamentals here. Given that my model and Vegas agree that this the proper line for this game is 144.5 points, um, I would have to assume that when you take Kansas's maybe one of their top scorers out of the game, um, not only would you expect Kansas to score less points, which is already factored in the spread, but... I would imagine when you take somebody who's a key part of the starting lineup out, the team might play a little slower, more methodically. There might be a little less flow to the rhythm of the game because it's not your starting five. You know, there's a whole other guy there. Not that that guy doesn't play, but I just, I intuitively feel as if Kansas might play a little bit on the slower side, which would lead me to maybe think, that if anything, I would err towards the under. <laughs> and therefore, I will. Uh, so I'm putting that boost on the under 144.5. That's my, that's my rook look for that one. Um, the other all-sports boost uh, I'm also going to use on college basketball because I love college basketball so much more than the NBA. And that'll be Duke minus seven versus Wake Forest. No real key injuries to speak of there. Obviously, a, a conference game, rivalry game of sorts. Uh, my model shows Duke as nine and a half point favorites. So, hey, minus seven. You know I'm on that. Duke minus seven. Lock that in at plus 136. I also locked the uh, Texas Tech-Kansas game under at plus 136 as well. And for the NBA no sweat bet on DraftKings, Raptors minus six. That's right. No injuries on either side. I love when that happens. I can just run the model, see what it shows. And it's showing uh, the Raptors as eight and a half point favorites. So again, a two and a half point advantage um, at minus six. I'll take it. Lock that in at minus 112. No sweat. Can't lose. I mean, you get the money back as a bonus bet that you have to bet in order to convert back into cash. So you can lose, but come on. Don't be so pessimistic. And... Before I forget, one last boost on the major sports books. MGM has a 33% college basketball boost as well. Um, and I got I to gotta throw it on my Towson, Towson boys. I'm here in Towson. I got a rock. I talked to a nice older man this morning on the elliptical. He runs the environmental thing at Towson. I got a good feeling about Towson today. They're 11 and a half point favorites against Elon. My model shows them as 12.85 favorites. So that's about a little more than a point advantage over Vegas, according to my model. Um, so yeah, Towson minus 11 and a half versus Elon. Uh, boost that up to plus 120. So four picks tonight. 
we have the clash on the court. DraftKings 50% boost on Kansas at Texas Tech under 145.5. We have DraftKings 50% all sports boost. Plop that on Duke minus seven. DraftKings NBA no sweat on the Raptors minus six. And last but not least, Towson minus 11 and a half versus Elon. Folks, this has been quite the wild ride today so i apologize in advance or you're welcome in advance whichever till tomorrow peace